Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Nicole LaPera, also known as the Holistic Psychologist, and today we are going to talk about getting out of your head. What's up? It's Kevin Crenshaw, aka The Heart Guy. Welcome to The Heartbeat, where we talk about living life from the heart. I think it's awesome that we're talking to a psychologist right now about getting out of your head, which is all about mindset. But um, I'm super excited that Dr. Nicole is here with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. I totally appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to connecting with your amazing audience. Thank you. So getting out of your head and you're a psychologist, how did that, how, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I guess that's the question there. What? I know. The it's question is what? <laughs> yes. And I will go with that question. And, and believe me, I am, I am not unfamiliar with similar type questions because I think yeah, a lot yeah. of the things that I say with my title of a psychologist is, is does <laughs> cause people to say what? Anyway, the point of it is, um, we, in my opinion, at least, we as humans spend a disproportionate and not helpful amount of time in our heads, period, the end. And I think that all of us could use some daily tools to start to reconnect because where is our heart? Our heart is in our bodies and not many of us are spending near enough time in direct connection and communication with that powerful, powerful organ, energy source. List goes on really. Connection device. <laughs> it does. Yes. So um, where, I guess let's start with awareness because that's always step number one. How can somebody know that they are in their head too much? Yeah, absolutely. It starts with observing ourselves. Um, one of the biggest and more, most important, put it this way, tools that when I'm working with clients or that I'm professing all over Instagram is developing um, a separation, an awareness, an internal observation, put it that way. Typically, my suggestion is in the form of a meditation practice where we're sitting, where we're sitting quietly, where we're meeting our thoughts. Because our thoughts, when we're in our head, typically we're in our thoughts. So when you say awareness, um, it means literally practicing, observing, observing where is your attention, observing if it's present in the present moment or if it's caught up internally. Um, and I think a lot of us, and actually when I start to work with clients, many people are, are floored and shocked um, as they start to observe themselves throughout the day, realizing how much time they actually are in their head. Mm -hmm. So another another phrase for in your head could also be like, focusing on the past or the future or even mm -hmm. not even just just disconnecting from the present. Yes, 100%. The second we are not in the present moment, typically we're we're lost somewhere else and I think we each have our individual, though some of us do both. Um some of us are more prone to possibly reliving whether we're talking, you know, kind of old old past decades ago, childhood stuff or yesterday, last week, replaying conversations um you know that didn't go so well. Or some of us take a more future-based stance, worrying about some planning, at least for the next moment, next hour, next day, worrying, all of that sort of thing. Um, like I said, some of us find that we tend to gravitate toward one of those vantage points, the that which came before or that which will come. But some of us honestly do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I guess let's talk about the, the power of the present or what it feels like to be in the present. Could you expand on that? Because some people maybe have a conscious understanding of it, but they, there's a difference between understanding something and like knowing something. Yeah, 100%. I could not agree more. And I think that the knowing that is the most influential and powerful, especially in the healing journey is when it comes from the lived experience of knowing the embodiment of it. And again, I, I do see many, People that actually aren't 
sure, don't know if they're fully present, might even think they are fully present in the given moment. Um, and they don't realize or come to realize that they maybe are perhaps not as engaged in that present moment until they start to practice being so. So what that means, I, I give, I give two, two suggestions typically. Um, I often suggest developing, like I said earlier, some version of a meditation practice where, you know, as we all typically think of it, we're sitting quietly can be as, as, as simple as 30 seconds, one minute. Cause those of us who've meditated out there know that that's not insignificant. Um, and then aside from <laughs> that, I'm a big, it is not insignificant at all. Feels like a day. Um, but with that said, I'm also a big proponent, uh, of doing practical mindfulness, practical moments of presence in the given yeah. day. And the way to that, or I think a great thing to grab onto to ground yourself. A lot of times you'll hear that language used in the present moment is through our senses. Meaning what are we smelling? What are we seeing? What are we tasting? Um, when we can be fully attentive to maybe the food we're eating or the aromatherapy or, you know, whatever it is that's sense in our senses, a presence in our senses that can give us the avenue into the present moment. So the suggestion being really bringing your attention to whatever sense you're using um, to give yourself the bodily lived experience of being as fully present in that moment, because you might be surprised at how a difficult it might be to come to that presence and b how, how strange it might even feel. Because I, like I said earlier, I think so many of us are internally preoccupied in our thinking mind that we might not even realize. Wow. That's, that's a really good point. It's just like being with your senses mm -hmm. can drop you into the present. That's one thing that I usually talk about with friends or clients when I'm referencing, like knowing that you're in the present is like focusing on a, a time in your life where you were like extremely happy or grateful or, or just at peace. And a lot of that time, like if you look back at it, you were not in the past. You were not in your head. You were a hundred percent in your heart and fully present with what was in the moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's, Absolutely. yeah, that's amazing. So what are some tips and tricks and tools that you have that people can get? I mean, you already mentioned one was getting back into your senses. Do you have any others about getting into your heart versus staying stuck in your head? When yeah, somebody has, starts to have the awareness of like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shift. Right, right. So we have to, A, I think to speak to the point you made earlier, and I agreed with awareness, we have to mm -hmm. know, you know, kind of, and learn the difference of the distinction between where our attention is, which brings us to that, the reality of our attention, which is that the awareness that is us, you know, once we kind of come online and realize that our thoughts are there, but they're not us, they're separate from us, we are observing, viewing them, making whatever you define us to be, right? We all different language. Are we a spirit? Are we a soul? Are we awareness? Um, the reality of it is we're just, we're not our thoughts. And then the second piece is really toning. I call it a muscle, that attentional muscle, um, mm -hmm. where ultimately we do have choice, right? The awareness, the being that is us has choice with where we put our attention, but our yeah. muscle is really weak. We are used mm -hmm. to having our attention grabbed, whether it's, you know, externally with the million distractions that our environments have been so set up uh, to offer in any given moment. Or internally, again, in our thoughts, in our heads, somewhere else, in yesterday, in tomorrow. So the more that we flex that, that muscle, choosing where we put it, again, like I said earlier, our senses being a great choice, um, that then gets stronger and we become more able to do that. And because our brain is neuroplastic, essentially just means it's trainable, it changes, we get, it gets easier and easier to 
make notice that choice, make the choice and to have our brain actually shift in the way that it fires. And then we can choose where we put our attention, meaning put it on our body, feel our beating heart, really connect with the the rest of the self that is not above the shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it all comes with a, like I said, awareness and then B starting to really flex that choice that we all have. Right. And so one, one thing too, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a second is that people, it might be uh, fearful to really get into your heart or they feel safe when they're in their head, um, even though they may know that it's too much, but it's like, okay, well, I want to keep my intellect. I want to keep, um, my logic. And is it that how you move through life? Um, what would you say to that? I love that question. It's funny. I was just talking about this topic this morning with my partner. So <laughs> we are gifted with thought, right? Thought yeah. does allow us, like you're saying, to get through life, to solve problems, to create, um, you know, to, to do all of these really important things. And I would by no means ever suggest that we stop using thought altogether. However, we overuse thought and we try to think our way, I believe, through problems that are not going to ever be solved with that thinking mind. In addition to the reality that all many of our beliefs that are on repeat in our thinking mind are not even necessarily beliefs that we chose because they come from, again, the accumulation of past experiences. So but that was my long way of saying my, my suggestion never is to forego thinking completely, but to develop choice, meaning I don't have to always be thinking. I can use my internal intuitive guidance system, often directed by my heart, to guide some of my decisions when my thinking mind doesn't apply or cannot solve them. But I can also then choose to engage with my thinking mind to solve the problems that it would be helpful to use my, my thought for, to create and to do all of that other stuff. That's A. B, circling back, because it's actually a really great question you're asking um, when you talk about or bring up the concept of safety, because the reality of it is any of us who have experienced any version of past trauma, not just those big, bad, terrible things that I think most of us define as trauma. Um, what has happened is we have developed and evolved into, I think, a, a species of humans at this point who are all living in an overactive fight or flight nervous system, meaning we Mm -hmm. don't feel safe. And depending on the nature of the trauma, many of us don't feel safe in our own bodies. So part of this deep level of healing involves becoming safe in our bodies and learning that we have far more control over even our physiological process and our nervous system regulation than we believe. And a breathwork tool, I'm big on breathwork as well, is incredibly helpful. Because what breathwork does, it actually allows us by being intentional about the way we breathe to regulate our body, to feel therefore safe in our body. So that I think answers part of your first question. So Mm -hmm. if I'm someone who knows that my feelings have been overwhelming in the past, or I've had those big, terrible things that have happened for me, likely I'm not someone who does not ever or often at least feel safe. So to give myself the keys to safety, so to teach myself that I can make choices in a given day through breath work being a great one of those choices to actually give my body a feeling of safety. So when I want to reconnect with it, if I start to have feelings that can, you know, kind of get amp me up and in, in, on toward a path toward overwhelm, I know that I can deploy, say, a couple deep belly breaths and bring Mm. myself down. And the more we practice that, the more we start to internalize that feeling of safety, which like I said, I think is an integral component um, for healing. Mm -hmm. Totally. So 
what then gets in the way of this? In the way of what aspect of it? Um, the present. The present. So many things. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I just wanted to clarify because I believe and I've observed in myself and the many others yeah. that I work with, our subconscious is a big thing that gets in the way of it. First of all, the habit of being in the thinking mind that I think you and I have been talking about all along, but also the reality being is that we have a, a part, a storehouse in our brain. It's called the subconscious um, without going into too much detail of it. The reality of it is we spend 95% of our day. We can think of it like an autopilot in that autopilot mode, running old programs um, that keep us, you know, be thinking the same things, uh, feeling the same ways, behaving the same ways day after day after day. Um, so that in my belief and in my observation is a, what gets in the way with most, whether we're talking about presence, consciousness, change, um, any and all of that, it is that powerhouse that is our subconscious that takes over, like I said, when we're not present when we're not engaging that consciousness that again is all of those old programs that keep us stuck so what are the benefits or the reward of living the life of your heart oh i mean i think not to sound like the most cliched therapist answer but life <laughs> honestly yeah. i think like when we are able to connect with ourselves and our feeling system and our intuition which i refer to as a guidance system and all of that i mean that truly is is in my opinion that's life Mm -hmm. What was a time in your own life where it was maybe difficult to get into your heart, but that's what was needed to happen? Could you maybe share a little bit on yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will share and say, tell you that my entirety of my life, um, up until obviously I've been engaged with my own healing, um, it was difficult for me to get and connect with my heart space. So as a very young child, living in what I perceived to be a very or an overwhelmingly chaotic environment with not much emotional support. Um, I did what I think a lot of us do on a spectrum, of course, which is dissociate, meaning I completely disconnected um, from myself and from my body. Um, so, so the answer to that is my, the entirety of my life until I started to heal, um, I was not able, and that was a protection. So my psychology kind of swooped in and, you know, disconnected me or distanced me from that which was too overwhelming and at, 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 a, at a childhood age when I could not manage the depth of those feelings or the intensity of them. So it protected me in that way. However, like I said earlier, because that became my subconscious coping mechanism, I then continued to do that once I was out of that environment. Once I did have the tools to make other choices, I found myself still using some degree of dissociation. So which largely kept me disconnected from my heart. So it's been my real journey of healing to reconnect with my heart, my body, that, that deeper self that's always been there. I've just lost touch with it. Right. I know for me, it, um, a lot of my disconnect, uh, actually came from like birth trauma, that I had this feeling that I wasn't wanted. Um, and that just, it's a whole story in and of itself. And then I grew up with extreme social anxiety and just, uh, that was the programming that I was running. Right. Yeah. And again, I didn't choose that belief, but that's, that was my reality. And that's what I created until I shifted it to that. I'm craved. And now I think are magnetic and I'm manifesting like a fucking savage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just happens. It's mm -hmm. so easy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I completely can attest to that. And that's absolutely incredible. And that even in, for those of you guys listening to the podcast right now, 
I invite you, especially if you did not join in from day one, to go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen to the first few episodes. That's all I talked about was like why it's important to live in the heart. I talked about Heart Math Solution, which is an amazing book, um, and the Heart Math Institute. Yeah, talks about how mm-hmm. the heart has a, a mind of its own, talking to the brain and the science behind it all. So I invite you guys to go back and listen to the first few episodes. Um, I'm definitely a different person than back then, but <laughs> it's uh, it's a really good stuff. So thank you for joining and talking with about this. I mean, I know we could talk literally for hours on this topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where can people find out more about you and what you do? Absolutely. So my main hub where I'm on daily is my Instagram at the.holistic.psychologist. Um, I do have a website at yourholisticpsychologist.com. The link is always in the bio. Um, but most of this, I have a YouTube channel as well, The Holistic Psychologist, but anything that I would be releasing in my listserv, which I do do often, my blogs, my YouTube videos, et cetera, as they come out, um, Instagram is the best place to keep uh, in touch with it all. And we have an amazing community of self healers over there. Um, people who are walking the journey and really, really supportive. So worth a check out in the comments as well. Yes. Thank you so much for joining this conversation. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so, so much for having me. Of I truly course. appreciate it. Well, for everybody listening, go check out our stuff. And as always, put some heart into everything that you do today.